This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favorite childhood book. This time with added alcohol and cynicism and a better understanding of what makes a good book. In this episode, we are reading the final chapter of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, chapter 30. So get a get three glasses of some German alcohol and xenophobia and listen along on this drunken reminiscent journey. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello. We got changed into pajamas since the last episode. Yeah, we've actually so far that we've been using video been dressing quite nicely, but for the we final episode of season six, actually the penultimate episode of season six, we've given up. Pajamas. I keep thinking this is the final episode, but it's not. We do the film episode. We were both so wrong when we were saying this. Not only is this not the final episode because it's the film episode because there's the film episode to go it's not the final episode because we have the howler episode to go so you might remember at the end of season five we did our first ever phone-in episode or howler episode and we will be doing that again for season six so you can send us in a voice note about absolutely anything you want to about half-blood prince so this can be things you noticed we got wrong things we didn't mention it could be yeah things we missed it could be expanding on a point that we made it could be joining in with a point we made at any point in season six any chapter yeah just any thoughts about half-blood prince that you want to share with the other listeners that you want us to chat about if you need reminding about what the episode is you can go listen to the end of order of the phoenix one to get some inspiration we would really really like if you did voice notes just because that makes it so much more interesting in the episode but if you really are not comfortable with that you can write something in and we will read it out but we love hearing your beautiful voices so if you feel comfortable please send us a voice note you send all those to gobletofwinepodcast at gmail.com please put howler in the um, email subject so we can find it easily and we will make our howler episode so yeah please send those in for what will be the final episode. I can't remember if we do that before or after the film episode. Need to work that out. But please send that in for one of the final episodes of season six. Really looking forward to hearing all your thoughts. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's um, it's emotional, the final chapter of season six. Yes. And also, we just talked about Taylor Swift for like 45 minutes. So. We did, yeah. So many people are skipping ahead right now. <laughs> we were talking about if we have any like wish list. Oh yeah, we got songs. Eras tickets, by the way. Yeah, we got Eras we tickets. We didn't announce that. We got Eras tickets. We're going to Eras. I'm going twice. I'm going once. Sorry, we're not saying when we're going. If you're British and you're going as well and you happen to see us there, we are more than happy to say hello. 
Like Please. not more than happy, over overjoyed to say yes. hello. But we won't be announcing when we're going because we don't want to do some sort of unofficial meetup thing. It's already a uh, an, an emotional, emotional enough day. day. If we add, we find podcast meetups very emotional, and if we add that into a Taylor Swift thing, I might have a full breakdown. No, so, um, I would. I but would. if you spot us there, Please. although we will not be together, is the weird thing. But I will be with Neil. That's what's weird about the situation, <laughs> yes. I so hope people spot us there and they're just like, what is happening? Yeah. She's sitting with Neil. I'm standing. Yes. <laughs> there are reasons for all of that. She has other friends. It's disgusting. I've tried to put an end to them, but they're very resilient. Sorry about that. And you end up liking them. <laughs> I love Lucy. Exactly. <laughs> we're excited. But yeah, we were discussing what surprise songs we want. And I'm trying to remain very chill and not hope for too much. I genuinely am very chill. I would quite like Picture to Burn. Homophobic version, obviously. Because I hate the gays. So, yeah. Sarcasm for anyone somehow unsure. That's and- all our life updates. Just Taylor Swift based ones. Hair dance break. Oh, yeah, we covered each other's hairstyles. I did mine first, so... Um, yeah, but when you did yours, I yelled at here? you I was going to do that, so... Ha! Yeah. What are we drinking today? We're drinking three things today. Whoa, Three whole things. And those three whole things come from one person. And that person... Clara. Where does it say that? My name is Clara. <laughs> ah, yes, there. I was looking for something at the bottom. That person is Clara. Yes, who very kindly gave this to Nikita to give to us. And then Nikita stalked me to my parents' house. That genuinely did happen, yeah. It genuinely did. Like, honest God, like, we love to joke about how Nikita is our stalker. Nikita, who was on a previous bonus episode, but because she started off listening to the podcast. And then genuinely the other day... She texted me and was like, are you in London like next weekend? And I was like, oh, sorry, I'm not. Because I had Hannah and Neil and some other people coming to visit. And then she was like, oh, because I'm in, insert the name of the town that I live in, the fucking tiny arse end of nowhere town. And I was like, the fuck do you mean you're there? Yeah. So so we already have continuous in-jokes that Nikita is our stalker. Yeah. And then she literally has gone from podcast listener to she has now stayed the night at my parents house because i was also like is official smuggler of alcohol yes to us. at this point she has passed eight to nine different bottles of alcohol so much so yeah clara gave her these to uh, give to us i'm just going to read out some of clara's note because it's so sweet it is i wanted to pass along a little thank you for not only making it like having friends when listening to you but also opening my world to a whole host of kind people four of which I now get to meet and the possibility of this whirlwind adventure, travelling to a Taylor Swift event in Southampton. Tell Neil Hits Different is great from me, Clara. (laughs) Hits Different is great. I don't know what Neil is on about. Neil, there's something wrong with him. No, there is. I've been saying this for a long time. I find it very, very overwhelming to the point where I can't think about it when people have made real life friends through this podcast. The fact... That there is a couple no, don't. together because of us who have moved country to be with each other. It like short circuits my brain when I think about things like that. Genuinely. And everyone has made such genuine, not everyone, but like most 
a lot of people have made such genuine lovely friends from the discord and i'm just like this is such a wonderful thing yeah Kara, when she visited england went to a swift again event in southampton which also if you ever see us at swift again event come and say hi and yes she also passed along three alcohols yes. to us which stop being so nice to us everyone but also don't, because we're going to try and drink all three of them all in three one episode. Of them. Well, no, at first I was going to make you drink eight alcohols this episode, but you put your foot down. I did, because we're already, I mean, it's already like nine o'clock and we've, oh, it's almost ten o'clock and we've, we've drunk a, a great deal. Fine, we'll just have three alcohols this episode. So we're Fine. starting off with melon liquor. By the way, this is all German, I believe. Uh, I love this bottle because it really does look like some kind of potion bottle or, concerningly, like a poison bottle. I feel like this is like a poison bottle from like an animated film. Yeah. I love how dirty this glass is because we've had four different drinks in here and I haven't washed it. Yeah, there's chunks of cherry on mine. Mm, Same. (coughs) Oh! (coughs) that hit me completely wrong would you say it hits different (coughs) i don't know what i did that just it's really nice it's really nice i I don't know what to happen but it just immediately burnt am i allergic to melon (laughs) it's just sweet clara says this is melon liquor from heidelberg where i have just moved for uni the aftertaste is really nice heidelberg is also mentioned in quidditch through the ages the team heidelberg harriers that's nice that's very nice it's sweet i wouldn't drink more than this amount of it but i do like the melon taste of it Mm. patreons patreones a kale size thank you to kaylee a boombastic size thank you to behaven i'm really sorry if i've said that incorrectly do let me know an alimony size thank you to ashling or ailing a kit kat size thank you to cat and a hollister size thank you to hope thank you all for joining the patreon and supporting us and allowing us to buy a new mixing desk yes that's that's you look at you can't see it you i'm can't pointing see it. to it but it's you very sexy. you paid for that it's got colorful lights it's got colorful lights you paid for that our yeah. last one was broken you you paid for that yes thanks for funding us it's like having a sugar daddy it loads it of, is it's like loads, having loads of sugar daddies yeah that we don't give sugar to we give really mediocre podcast content oh we uh question thingy we uh good intro to that really good mm-hmm. so in episode 115 115 we asked which characters do you think are neurodivergent i can't take the phrase neurodivergent seriously because of divergent i've never seen it or read it it's bad havana says all of them yes <laughs> But Harry ADHD, Hermione has autism, and Luda, A-U-D-H-D, queen. I don't know if that's a typo. Oh, someone's saying Dudley. That's a good point. That is a good... He's a classic ADHD, I feel like. Mm. And someone else has um, said Dudley, yeah. Someone who is autistic says they see a lot of traits in Hermione, which they relate to, um, mm. which I find interesting. It's oh. a lot of Luna someone says i think newt's commander deserves a mention which yes very very good point oh i've heard the headcanon that ron has dyslexia which explains why he struggles so much with homework and reading and spells and stuff i don't claim them i've seen another AUDHD. what's that i'm looking it up <laughs> mcgonagall suffers from badass queen disease 
AUDHD is a relatively new unofficial term that describes a person who has both autism and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Interesting. Never seen that written down before. Thanks for that. I think aside from that, it's just a lot of Luna and Hermione. Yeah. I didn't actually expect so many people to say Hermione and that's, I find that quite interesting. Chapter 30, the last chapter. The White Tomb. Oh my God, I have the best story. Oh no. This has nothing to do with this chapter name apart from the word white. (laughs) My mum won't want me telling this one. I don't care. It's too good not to share. I'm we're, really worried about where this is going. No, believe me, it's worth it. We're in the Isle of Wight Festival. It has nothing to do with being in a place called the Isle of Wight as well. And scouting for girls during their set... Is this where the whiteness comes into it? Yes. Start playing a cover of I can't help falling in love with you. Which obviously starts with the line. Do you know what the first line of that song is? No. Wise men oh, yeah. say, and my mum turns to me, Neil, and Matthew, and says, oh, "I love this song, but it does make me uncomfortable that he says white men say." <laughs> and bless her, she was trying to be so like PC. She was like, "I just don't think it's right that they say white man says," and I was like. what it's it's wise it's it's wise she thought the lyric was white men say wow i mean white men say a lot of things that was the thing they we shouldn't but that was the joke for the rest of the week and we were like well white men say <laughs> so good from my mother wow. and i was really sorry mum for telling that story on the podcast but it's really too good not to share your mishearing of lyrics is one of my favorite things about my mum like one of the tape recorder things that we say that we're just gonna replace her with is like she has just her own versions of songs that she sings yes no is this is this a mum universal thing or yeah, a Catherine like, Polly thing like fully just no interest in knowing the actual lyrics she just has her versions yeah and like a lot of them are hysterical for years my mum thought and still won't sing the proper version she thinks it's she thinks it's girl put your red dress on mm-hmm. and she's like no it's about being confident it's about finally having and the thing is she will make up stories in her head to justify her incorrect lyrics yeah. and you know where i know i'm her daughter is because i refuse to believe that they are not singing um there's nothing that a thousand men on mars could ever do uh bless the rains down in africa what are the lyrics Oh, did you think it's men on Mars as well? Yeah. Men or more. Oh. And that Neil's does like, make more sense. Neil's like, tell me why it's men on Mars. And I'm like, well, because the men on Mars are trying to stop him from getting to the person he loves. Like, the Martians are coming down and trying to stop him. And Neil's like, that makes no sense. I'm like, it makes loads of sense. So you thought it was men on Mars as well? Yeah. Poll for today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> did you think it was men on Mars? Men on Mars or men, men or more. This is You're the second person I've met who's thought it's men on Mars. I just don't question these things because of David Bowie. You know, it could be an acceptable lyric to be about men on Mars. That's not that song's not by David Bowie. No, no, but I just mean like from listening to his music. Oh right, I thought you meant like that song was sung by David Bowie. No. I was like no, I but, mean, because he, you know, sings about random star men bullshit. Like, yeah. I just... Why, why would I, I question... Why would I question why the men on Mars are trying to stop 
him getting to this person. Yeah. But Neil is like, that lyrics make no sense. I'm like, yes, it does. The men on Mars are trying to stop him getting to his love. But you know what's really bad about that is when I used to wrestle, our warm-up song was always Africa. Yeah. So... I've heard that song an abnormal amount of times. Well, I'm really glad I found yet another person who hears this lyric. Yeah. Anyway, the white tomb. This tomb is white. It's so white. It's so white right now. All examinations are postponed. When are they not? When has Hogwarts ever run examinations on time? Literally. This like, school is ever. Ever. Okay, fine. You're going to you're gonna postpone them. What about what about the seventh years? What about them? Hmm? Yeah. When, are they just not? When are you going to do them? Are they going to do them from home? But the thing is, like, I disagree with examinations anyway, and I think that stuff should be coursework based. And the only reason that grades in schools, at least in the UK, obviously I can't speak for other countries and cultures, but in the UK, our grades aren't coursework based is because statistically women do better in coursework than men who do better in examinations. And that's why our grades are based largely off exam results because they don't want women to be... Not, it's not even put at an advantage, just like graded fairly. But yeah, we predominantly go off exam grades. And even when we went through the schooling system, it at least like was like slightly coursework based. Yes, and they've, they've taken away all yeah, coursework now. Yeah. Because women statistically do better. So rather than being like, maybe we make it 50 50 so that women have a fair chance they're like this is unfair on men even though coursework used to be like 20% of it so they're like let's make coursework 0% of it to give the men the better chance and it's like or make it 50-50 that's fair yeah anyway (laughs) Hogwarts has none of that no none of that no and also when are the others taking their tests when also it has been said over and over again in this book that Ginny is studying for her owls like when when is, is she taking those does she just does she just not get to take those? Just don't put in stuff like examinations are going to be postponed. Don't put in that line unless you're going to tell me until when. Also, because it just pisses me off. Dumbledore knew he was going to die around this time. Could he not have called them off earlier being like, look, just just take my word for it. They're not going to happen. You don't want to so do this. So don't study. You don't want to do this. Don't ask me any more questions, McGonagall. But um, just, 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 just don't. Just trust me not gonna happen statistically the amount of pupils in this school who have not taken exams because of various bullshit related to harry is staggering it's also like your headmaster died that's not like you normally have to apply on an individual basis if like your dad dies or something to not take exams imagine be like uh actually um my headmaster's died i'm grieving too much to take exams said be like i'm sorry get fucked is every child in the country school makes no sense some parents come to pick up their kids early like straight away the patel twins get picked up early i enjoy seamus having a screaming match with his mother in the entrance hall until she agrees to go stay in the village like I well done seamus especially love this when you imagine it with irish accents yes brilliant and they won't go anyone more private we're doing this in the entrance oh, hall yeah. yeah absolutely love it and all sorts of people start arriving for the funeral including madame maxine which excites the younger pupils yeah. because the, the big carriage arrives and yeah. stuff like that i uh, accidentally typed rumble's funeral rumble roar <laughs> i forgot about rumble roar rumble roar yeah the lion yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. sorry so, skipping slightly ahead but just on topic of uh typos i wrote Eileen Prince's snake's mother. <laughs> yes. 
There's also this thing where it's like, oh, the rooms are running out in the village and like the school's really... In the village. In the village. The school's really full of people who can apparate and therefore can arrive on the morning of the funeral. (laughs) (laughs) You don't... Like, obviously, normally in life you have to travel for funerals and it can be very annoying to have to travel for... Not annoying in the way, but like... Like, there's this thing where people are like, oh, you only need a day off for the funeral. I'm like, actually, the funeral is the other side of the country. I need days to get there and to get back. That's happened to me before. This doesn't apply in the wizarding world. You don't need to stay in the village for two days before. I had not thought about Why are they getting a hotel? Why? And if they can't apparate, they can flu. And I'm sure Hogwarts could set up a special flu system to open, like, ten fireplaces at Mm. once and everyone just flues in. Why are they all staying here? They just really want front row seats. Oh my God, you know that stereotype about Germans on holiday leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst we're drinking German German alcohol, you're going to commit that hate crime and bring up the sunbeds. Stereotype about German people in particular leaving towels on sunbeds to claim their place by the pool at dawn, which... I don't know if it's true. I have no idea. But this is what I'm now imagining people are doing at Dumbledore's funeral. Like people are arriving two days before to be like, that's my seat, that's my seat, that's but my seat like, right at the front. Hawaiian print house. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, that's my seat. Um, I've laid my star-spangled cloak on it. <laughs> to be fair, I feel like we let the Germans off quite easy on this podcast. I think that we offend every other nationality and I, I, I really like the Germans. They, I lo- this is the thing. They're a fantastic I, nation. I genuinely love the Germans. But we, we do slack off every other nationality. I have so. no idea if they reserve sunbeds, though, because I've never been to an all-inclusive with loads of German people there. But it's not even all-inclusive. It's just anywhere with sunbeds. Okay, well, okay, I've never noticed it then. I have not. I have been to places where people reserve sunbeds, but I cannot say whether they were particularly I, German. This people. is the thing. I can't actually say if they're German, but it is quite funny to but say. Me and my German. parents always used to say, "Oh, they've reserved a sunbed. They must be German." Yeah. <laughs> German a, people, look, let us know if this is true. Everyone loves a racist. <laughs> it's not That's racist. A joke. I know. It's xenophobic, <laughs> <laughs> and that means it's okay. okay. So it was nice having a podcast with you before we got cancelled. Yeah, so, um, I have enjoyed doing six seasons yeah. exactly with you. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. It's all right. Level your worst on the British because my God, you can yeah. do worse. Literally. This is the thing. Like When, when I... you're the lowest of the low nations, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're punching up, not down. So it's fine. You know, the British used to always be punching down, you know, col- um... uh, col- <laughs> co- colonisation and stuff. Now we're just now like we're trying just to claw like... our way out of Brexit oh! hell. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's laughing at us have you heard of a cosy lives <laughs> anyway that's now anyway. what i believe people are doing for dumbledore's funeral because yes. there's no other explanation of why people need to be turning up early for somewhere they can get to instantaneously and it's by the lake as well so like <laughs> and it's really sunny it keeps saying the weather is mocking them the weather is beautiful okay. everyone at dumbledore's funeral is definitely in their swimmers I'm just imagining people in those like um you know when when men on Love Island wear those matching things with a shirt and shorts but like <gasps> but their chest is bare so it's like yes. smart but their chest is bare oh my god stick out your tongue for the camera <laughs> please sir may I have some more miscellaneous German liquid yes if you stop offending the Germans.
It was you! You brought up the sunbeds! Next we have... Oh yeah, no, please continue to send us stuff so we can continue to offend your nations. It's the British way. Uh, next we have... Wine. No, white wine. Uh, Frank, white. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They've written white wine, but with an H. So like white wine. Like wine, like you're having a little wine. Um, this one. White wine is like white girl problems. Yeah, it's a, that'd it's be a, a great, great wine. That'd be a great podcast name. <gasps> Us being xenophobic, it's white My wine. wine. <laughs> Excellent new podcast down. New podcast name. It's us talking about our white girl problems. White Everyone wine. is going to want to listen to this. White wine by Goblin of Wine. Oh my god, like that impression the person does, like the two girls in London, Binky and Thingy. <laughs> Where they're recording into the hairbrush and I send it to you like, it's us. Lottie and... Lottie and Binky! <laughs> no, 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 but I'm saying I'm Lottie. What's your, like... What can you do with Hannah? What's the, like, Tory version of Hannah? I suppose you could just do Twig. It's quite Tory to just copy by my surname. Yes. Apart from... It's just because I have a funny surname. Lottie and Twig. Lottie and Twig. White Wine by Goblet of Wine. Let's <laughs> say like Frankfurt. Frankfurt, my, my hometown. hometown. I think that's it. This is from Frankfurt. It's white wine. Am I going to put this in a wine glass? No, I am not. Am I going to put it in the same glass the melon is? Yes. Cheers. Uh, Charis? You, you did not... Charlie, I think the smell might be ruined by the melon we had in the glass before. That is a lovely white wine. It doesn't burn. It's quite citrusy. <laughs> Whenever I drink a wine that doesn't taste like burny vinegar, I'm like, ooh, fancy. It's quite citrusy. It could be the melon. No, it's nice. I like that. I'm getting notes of melon. No, I'm joking. I can't taste it. The days pass. That's a great note for me. I was just like looking at the postcard like it was my notes. <laughs> and I was like, this shall tell me about Harry Potter. Yes. Okay. Um, I was basically... There's this thing with Harry Potter about the last chapter. I've noticed now we've done so many of these. Basically explaining how nice the weather is and then being out of the grounds. But Harry is too sad to experience it. And obviously this is even more sadness and everyone's sad because Dumbledore has died. But there is this trope of every Harry Potter book. is like, mm. and the weather was nice, but Harry was depressed. Yes. And that's the end of the book. Bill's got an appetite for uncooked meat. They really pick and choose what werewolf characteristics he gets for being bitten by like a non-transformed werewolf which i suppose they can because he's meant to be the first case of it ever i wonder what counts as like a bite in that context well lupin describes every mark on his face as infected but like if i went it's got to pierce the skin it's got to go down to blood so it can just be like a no you won't let me bite you no what's it gonna do it hard that's that's what the... why can't i bite you well because i, I nearly as Not i told you i nearly got suspended from nursery for biting a child because she dared me to so so i can't bite you no anyway so basically he's got some werewolf tendencies without being a werewolf but it's like the first case of it's, it ever i mean yeah it does feel like he got off very lightly the fact he he just likes his steak rare like i mean i suppose i always thought he likes a steak rare and that's the own okay the way i always interpret it and maybe i'm wrong is that's the symptom they all joke about 
and that's the one they all know about. But actually, there's probably more that don't get told to people like Harry because it's none of his business. Like, Bill can't sleep at the full moon. Like, he struggles with insomnia around the full moon. And um, he, like... Out of control body hair. That, exactly. Like, shit that Harry doesn't need to know because it's between him and Fleur, you know? Yeah. Harry doesn't need to know about Bill's pubes. This chapter, although it's very much about waiting for the funeral and death, still for me really encapsulates that end of childhood feeling when you finish school before you go to university and that waiting period where you know it's meant to be like your last clutch of childhood. Like I remember that period so vividly because you're so hyper aware that you will not get this experience again you will not get to live through this again and it's the end of when you're viewed as a child and you're both trying to make the most of it and it's tinged with a real sadness like it's why there's so much media about that like think about how much coming of age media there is about the last days of school the final day of school or the final year of school things like that it's a big thing in media because the emotions are so heightened american pie right that's what you're referring to? I've never seen American Pie. Okay. He fucks a pie. That's it. That's the film. Okay. It's such a big thing. And this kind of, this chapter just kind of reminded me of why. Because yeah, well, like when I went through it, it wasn't during a, oh, we're all getting ready for a funeral thing. And it, it still, be, I don't know. This chapter still gave me those feelings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Like looking back at that period of my life, I don't think that I... But this is me personally. I don't think I experienced any sadness whatsoever. Mm. I was fucking so ready to be done and get out of there. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't see it as like any amount of being like, oh no, high school's over, blah, blah, blah. I was like, get me the fuck out of here. So. I think I was so ready for it to end, but I get very emotional even if I didn't like something over the end of eras and the end of things ending. I normally do, but I think I was so ready to get out of high school having to like study things i didn't want to study yeah. being around people i didn't want to be around being in a shitty little town i think i was just like there were so many factors that i was like counting down the days yeah but i think it's it's all of those feelings mixed into one that like slightly distills into this chapter as well that anticipation that knowing it's never going to be the same again that feeling of that oh, this is the last time i do something mm. and whether you're excited about that or you hate that everyone is feeling like that and it kind of distills into this very weird atmosphere yeah um which is made weirder in this chapter by the funeral but i still feel like it comes across i like the line hermione leaned forward with a hermione-ish look do a hermione-ish look at me um now we have video i want you to do a visual bit uh, i'm not like i'm not good at this stuff i imagine it was like but basically her hermione-ish look is discovering that Eileen Prince was, in fact, Snake's Snake's mother. Yeah. She's also... Harry thinks she's like, oh, have you discovered who R.A.B. is? Harry, why aren't you looking? Harry's like, oh, she's been running off the library all the time to look for R.A.B. I'm like, as should you... Not as should you be. You should be. Just you. What are you doing? And also at this point... Woman's job in it. Harry believes that he's going to do this Horcrux hunt alone. Harry has not asked Ron Hermione to do it with him and he doesn't believe they're coming with him. He's not like, should I, whilst I have access to this this massive library, library, do my own... Doing my own research? No. No. I'm just going to go to Godric's Hollow and like vibe it out, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, 
I think that will give me all the answers. I'll just let Hermione do the work for me, but she's mm. not coming with me because I can definitely survive this Horcrux yeah. hunt alone. I genuinely don't think Harry has enough of a moment of being like, oh, I have no idea where to start. I guess we do get a bit of it more like next book, but I, I really feel like in this moment he should be like, I've not got the foggiest. I think we get some extremely beautifully written sentences about how big this task is about how this might take ages about we we get some of the most beautiful writing in harry potter in this it chapter. is quite impressive that it takes a year but yeah but none of it none of this beautiful writing describes that fuck what am i gonna do oh my god oh my god oh my god where do i even start it, it describes it as like a big journey and it's like yeah but what's your first move like none of us know that's the thing because they then get really lucky the next book when they're like well we'll go the only place we know oh look we found rab <laughs> exactly really lucky exactly and harry didn't even want to go there he was like i'm not going there i'm not going there and hermione's like we gotta go there is the only place we know yeah so like what was your pl- like yeah because this chapter it's very beautifully written i really do like the prose in this chapter but n- it, it just seems very like beautiful and calm rather than like what on earth am i gonna do which is what it should be mm. Um, but yeah, Hermione's obviously doing all the work to find R.A.B. Harry is basically, there's a lot of internal discussions in Harry's head in this chapter. And he's kind of obviously blaming himself for certain things. He's dwelling on the Horcrux hunt. He, they're, they're kind of discussing how Harry feels guilty about the fact he trusted the prince so much. He recognises he put too much trust in him. He recognises that he feels sick at what he did. And he's learned a lesson from it, which is nice. We've got a bit of introspection from Harry. Well done. You've somehow got lipstick on your nose and I don't really know how. Let me just... Pure skill. Pure skill. There you go. And at one point... Oh, it will be from... Oh, from the glass, yeah. At one point, Harry says something about... And I really don't know what context this was in because it was a bit confusing. That if Slughorn had found the book or discovered Harry had it, he would have recognised Snape's writing. Slughorn taught Snape 20 years ago. Harry saw Snape's handwriting three months before he picked up the book now harry i don't think you should be saying that slughorn should would have recognized snape's handwriting i think you should have how can he blame slughorn being like well slughorn would have noticed that what look we said it before i'll say it again harry is a dumb bitch it's the lack of self-awareness that gets me Mm. he's sitting here blaming himself like oh you know i should have noticed it was getting darker and darker but i didn't or you could have noticed it was your fucking teacher's handwriting yeah harry feels some pity for malfoy which i really like i think it's the first time we've ever felt pity for malfoy and i really like his maturity in recognizing that he still hates malfoy and he uses the word hate or despise or something but he hates him for his obsession with the dark art so he now can pinpoint why he hates Malfoy but he feels pity and recognizes the fact and he says this in the text that Malfoy was lowering his wand he would not have killed Dumbledore and he wonders what Voldemort is making Malfoy do now under the threat of killing his parents and I think I had never registered this bit before and I think I do agree with everything that a lot of people have said and what we've said to this point that Malfoy deserved a bigger redemption arc. But I don't think I'd ever notice in this chapter how much Harry actually does understand Malfoy's plight and how important that will become in book seven. And I do really appreciate his introspection of now he he hates Malfoy for a specific thing, yeah. but he understands 
the situation he is in and I think that's very mature of Harry because Harry does have a tendency to be like I hate them I hate everything about them mm. and and that's not true with Malfoy so I I really enjoyed that paragraph being in there so there's a bit that like I don't know what the word for it is but it's been popularized in like Marvel where it's the moment when it's like and everyone's together and like they do the pose and it's like they do it's the pose well you know i mean and not literally in this but it, it's that moment that is such like a pop culture thing now of like and then you see all the characters that you didn't even know the name of yeah but yeah so we have as my note says deep skeeter rita skeeter the mer people there's like the centaurs like everyone's together it's a the bit of a like a witch like yeah. yeah it's like a reminiscing of everyone that we've ever had mentioned is now at this funeral yeah it literally i don't I, know why i said that like moira from you really did i did say every side character ever yeah. is here like harry's like, i don't know the name of them i don't know the name of them i don't know the name of them but they're here they're mm. here for the funeral i do you ever when you're like making your notes have a really random thought that has absolutely no bearing in the exact moment yes why doesn't harry feel voldemort's happiness when voldemort finds out that dumbledore's dead because the next book is just a constant barrage of Voldemort's sad, Voldemort's happy, Voldemort's sad, Voldemort's angry. Very and you think this is like very... the ultimate... Well, nope. we've had one instance before where Harry's grief is so strong, it blocks, it acts as occlumency. Mm. So there's yeah. an argument that it could be that. But I would like it to be mentioned like yeah. Harry could feel something, but his grief was so strong, it yeah. wasn't coming to the I guess surface. Maybe... Because it has happened before. Yeah. But I, would I guess like it maybe to be it got lost, but because we do, and this is a separate thing, but we get Harry thinking about how humorous he's finding the funeral, but that's like a separate thing. But you think if before this, because it would probably be like, I don't know, a few hours after Dumbledore died that Voldemort found out. Mm. So you think, yeah, like I can see how it would get lost in the emotions, but you think that like extreme happiness would, even if it only slightly got through, Harry would be like, no, you're right. That really should be in there because yeah, the next book is full of like, Harry's like a fucking metal detector for Voldemort's feelings or something. No, you're absolutely right. But yeah, I I do like that we get these moments that Harry just keeps laughing at the funeral. Absolutely. I really love this. And there's a bit, before then but i think it ties into the same point of uh, harry says it was the most beautiful summer's day and i found this so true with funerals throughout my life both the laughing and finding things funny and noticing things that almost seem i don't know the word that i'm looking for um opposite to a funeral that's not the right word but like contrasting yeah i guess contrasting to the feeling of what you think a funeral should be Mm. and i think pointing out the weather is is such a key one of the weather doesn't fit the mood and you also notice it a lot more and i think part of that is it sounds really cheesy but it's a funeral a reminder that you are alive and you are feeling the sun on your face and the person is is not but obviously yeah you can't control the weather at a funeral and you think it should be gray and Mm. raining but when it isn't you're like this this doesn't fit the mood but wow it's so beautiful or wow the sun is really opposite to what i'm feeling but you you just notice things a lot more and 
I think the experience of Harry looking around and noticing certain things is definitely I've experienced. And also, yeah, the laughing and finding things mm. funny is something I've definitely experienced. Like I always tell people, oh, I, I'm a laugher at a funeral. Like it, it's quite a bad habit, but you just, you, your emotions are suddenly so at the surface you and you're in a very formal setting. It can be very hard yeah. for you to control how your emotions are coming out. Mm. Harry also calls out that like the service just doesn't feel very Dumbledore Mm. and yeah like what I might be bad to say might not be the most popular and I think obviously people are entitled to different opinions about it and I absolutely respect people's want to have religion in these situations and stuff but like when I lost a friend when we were teenagers and then had to sit through her service it was like deeply religious and it just felt like one she wasn't really that religious and two me personally don't understand how you can be religious when you've just lost a child at 16 Mm, mm. and obviously each their own and to for a lot of people that would make them more religious but it it just felt like very at odds sitting through that funeral yeah and i think that harry just kind of has this thing with dumbledore it's all being like very formal and very like kind of academic and harry thinks to himself that like dumbledore's ideas of a few words were nitwick oddman lubber and tweak which also you know that meme of the girl in the like supermarket with the frozen bag of peas on her head and it's like oh she's so crazy like yeah it feels like that it feels a bit like that it's it's like dumbledore's like oh my god i'm so random i can't believe i just did that like (laughs) yeah i I think this is also where the difference between a a funeral and a wake really come in and dumbledore doesn't have a wake that we know of he doesn't have a Mm. public wake because yeah funerals are typically a formal affair but a wake is where the the more personal stuff happens it's when you get drunk yeah i mean yeah my aunt who died young her wake was in a nightclub it was the first time i'd ever been in a nightclub i like i was 11 i was like okay (laughs) cool that's that's often where the more personality is even if it isn't a religious funeral but yeah i agree even if it is even if it isn't a religious funeral i think it's so hard it's it's not so hard it is impossible to distill someone into a 30 to 40 minute service which is the time you're given it is absolutely impossible to do that so anything you do is going to feel at odds to the person whether it whether it's religious or not and i think harry definitely feels that um Mm. because what the celebrant is saying doesn't align with how he sees dumbledore and also what pisses me off about this chapter is harry can't hear half of what the celebrant is saying i'm like we know that sonorous as a spell exists to make voices louder is this not a situation where you want to use it to make sure everyone can hear the speech hadn't cleaned out his earwax in a while i just don't understand why they didn't use the voice loudness like the next liquid i just love cats they just do things He's just, he's like, I want to come in. And then we let him in and he's like, oh, I'm just going to walk around the room. And then he's like, I think I want to go out now. The next one is apple wine. Google how to drink that one. Cheers. Clara, uh, why do we need to Google it? I don't know. I did Google it. It just said drink it chilled. I think there's other ways to mix it. Oh, okay. So you can have it in like a warm drink. You can have it mixed with other things. It's like a cocktail. But I just thought I'd chill it, which is, I, I did Google it. It did say chill it and we'd have it mm. pure. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. 
That's cider, it's not apple wine. But I don't like cider. Don't you? No, I like fruity ciders, like Swedish ciders, but I don't like apple cider. And I like that. It tastes like still cider to me. Maybe I've only ever had bad ciders. Mm, Fizzy cheap ones. Some other things about the funeral. Harry starts naming people, as you were saying, all these side characters, come on, it's everyone. But Harry starts naming people he only knows by sight, the trolley witch, he doesn't know their name, etc. The barman from the hog's head. The pain this line caused me, I honestly nearly welled up. He's not sitting in the front row with McGonagall and the minister. Alicia. (laughs) Harry knows him as the barman from the... Oh my God. I, uh, this reveal is so good. It's a twist. It's, it's so good. It's really well done. It is. It, yeah, I hate complimenting her, but it's really well done in that, like, it doesn't even feel like, it. it's not even a plot twist. No. It's a reveal. It's a reveal that was there. Yeah. All along. Yeah. And uh, I really like it. I really do. It's just... And yeah, yeah, this line just causes pain looking back. Like, pure pain. This is where I wrote in capital letters, pain. Harry's also, when he's doing his looking around, he doesn't really look at the front during the funeral, which also I really... I can really tell reading this that Jane Rowling is very, very experienced with funerals, which she would be at the age she wrote this, because, like, my experience with the funerals is... This sounds weird, but I, I recognise the not looking at the front thing. I don't know if you know this, but you 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 catch sight of weird things and get hyper-focused on them. What do you mean, I don't know if you know this? But like, I, I mean as in, have you experienced this or do you feel like you just like look at the front of the celebrant? I don't know. I don't think I really recognised it until I was like analysing this chapter. I was like, yeah, I get why Harry's looking around everywhere because it's difficult to look at the front. Like, I don't know. I don't think I can comment on it because... The funeral I went to when I was like 16 was so long ago, I don't really remember. And then since then, I've only been to my grandparents. And then I was looking at the front because the religious dude, vicar, priest, whatever, that was doing it was my vicar, priest, whatever from primary school, which, why is that thing? And I was just weird out seeing him after all these years and he Mm. looks kind of weird. I don't know, the man always gave me the creeps. Uh, so I think I was just preoccupied by being like, oh, it's that dude. It's that dude, hello. And that was at both of their funerals. So I think I was looking at the front because I was like, it's you. It's you, you again. Creeps. Yeah. So I can't yeah. comment. I don't know. I just have memories of certain funerals. I've been to like eight at this point. I don't fucking know. It's just adding up, isn't it? Stop killing people then, I'm Anna. sorry. Like at my aunt's, I really remember spotting a woodpecker outside and I've never seen a woodpecker in my life. And there was a woodpecker outside. Did you not watch Woody Woodpecker? I've seen a woodpecker on Woody Woodpecker, but I've never seen one in real life. Woody Woodpecker is real life. And yeah, I just became obsessed with this woodpecker. I was like, oh my God, there's a woodpecker out there. But then afterwards, my dad was like, did you see that woodpecker? I was like, I did see that woodpecker, yeah. And he was like, that was so beautiful, wasn't it? Like a symbol? I was like, it really was, yeah. But yeah, he spots Neville with Luna helping Neville get to his seat. He feels a rush of love and affection for both of them and the fact that they answered their coins because they were the ones that missed the DA most and what it stood for. And I was like, (gasps) again, knife, insert, twist. This chapter is just painful over and over again. We start to get like the first of what becomes then a reoccurring theme in the next book of Harry 
thinking over all of the things that he never asked Dumbledore in that he starts to wonder how Dumbledore learnt Mermish, which is like such a good thing of like yeah how the fuck when the fuck why the fuck and i once again i'm gonna reference name of the wind but like if anyone needs selling on reading it essentially the premise of name of the wind is that the main character is one of these like fabled like i'm not sure i'd compare him to dumbledore Mm. but some kind of like guess like merlin style Hercules like kind of fabled really famous for doing all these like hero- heroic and magical shit mm. and it's essentially him telling his life story for how it actually is and Ooh. how that time he defeated a dragon it was actually just a really big fire breathing lizard and stuff like that so okay. I think I don't know when I read this I was like that's made me like because I don't like Dumbledore enough that i ever would want anything in depth about his backstory sure like specifically about dumbledore but i'm like i don't know i kind of was like oh yeah it'd be really interesting to like learn more but not dumbledore but about something else like you know how do you become this how do you learn and why do you learn mermish and then i'm like oh no that is just i've actually read that book like it's name of the wind like yeah no but i know what you mean it's like how did you learn 300 languages exactly. and why and why yeah. and the reason for how each do you one. go about learning mermish yeah like yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. if and- anyone needs convincing to read name of the wind that's essentially the premise yeah and it's also again a very relatable death experience of this moment of noticing something seemingly insignificant or smaller that you'd seen a hundred times before and being like why didn't i ask them that why Mm. did i never ask them that and again it's something taylor swift encapsulates so well in marjorie where she says i should have asked you questions i should have asked you how to be and that's just a universal experience with death you are left with i should have asked them like this is a thing that everyone feels you couldn't have asked them every question but i love again that it's encapsulated in this chapter i've got to point out the the horrible thing i'm going to point out which is okay so they don't carry a coffin or a casket up to the front which is typical with funerals hagrid just carries well with our funerals well with our funerals every funeral is different i've never heard of a funeral where one man carries a body wrapped in a cloak and the questions this led me to is, and I'm really sorry to go really dark with this, what are wizards doing to preserve the, the bodies since death? Because the way we preserve the bodies in, in England makes them very stiff. Um, they, don't, they don't really go floppy. So like, how, wh- I just, how is, because it sounds like it's like this, but that wouldn't work with a- I don't know, and I don't want to know. I don't- I don't think Hagrid should have just been carrying the body wrapped in a cloak. That That's really fucking weird to me. Mm. But what it did remind me of is that bit in Derry, <laughs> which is where it's like every everyone's culture of how they treat dead bodies is different that bit in Derry girls where they're all in the room around the dead body just having an argument and thingy it's like are we not going to talk about the fact there's a dead body in the room like of course there's a dead body in the room it's a funeral and he's like I've never seen a dead body before. And they're like, what do you mean? It's a funeral, of course. There's a dead body. Like, that scene is so good. Because, yeah, yeah, I have never been to an open casket funeral. I would freak the fuck out if I went to one. But every culture is different. And I I understand that. I have literally never seen an open casket funeral. I don't don't understand how that works. But that's going to be the experience 
everyone's experience is different so like just when i was reading hagrid carrying the body i was like no that's weird do you find it weird that you've never seen a dead body it just feels like something that i should have seen i don't know just feels like a bit of a yeah i mean i've been shielded from seeing one which i'm i'm glad about but yeah it's like you know you're gonna have to see one at some point in your life and i suppose it's like well not necessarily but like i don't know you it just wish. feels like they should be a bit more common. I think as someone that like grew up in the countryside where there was a very famous serial killer at the time and just that spent a lot of time while walking around the countryside, I really genuinely thought I would have just stumbled across one. I, I, I always thought the same thing growing right? up. Like I had this, this is really dark, sorry. I had this deep like con- convincement. I was just really convinced I was going to stumble across a dead body. Convincement. Because I used to just, my teenage years, my younger teenage years were just spent wandering around fields, like yeah. random fucking fields. I was really convinced I was just going to yeah. stumble across a dead body And at like some literally point. when I was 12, like our town had like a very prolific serial killer who just dumped the bodies about the place. So like I spent the rest of my teenage years like, yeah, dead bodies. Probably stumble across one. I never did, thank God. But like, I just always thought that one day I'd be meandering around the countryside and be like, oh. But yeah, I think our specific attitude to dead bodies, as in our specific, as in adjacent to Protestant Christian, which I don't mean to say that everyone we know who's died has been Protestant Christian, but I mean that... It's the influence on the culture. It's the influence on the culture means that we typically have only been to closed casket funerals or cremation. Sorry, this episode is like really dark, which means that I think that does instill a fear of dead bodies on us, whereas other cultures, that it's open casket, you view... Hi, Neil. Yeah. It's open casket, you view the body, which mm. I think takes away that fear. Because yeah. I think I do have a fear of dead bodies. I don't think I... I think I have a morbid curiosity. Mm. Anyway, away from dead bodies. Dead bodies! Harry, once again, finally cries. But he looks away from Ginny. I just... Ah, you didn't have to put that in there, JK. Only because he's breaking up with her. That's why. No, but like, he's he's crying because he's sad and he's like, I must look away from Ginny. Oh, I didn't interpret it like that. I interpreted oh, it as... He's crying and he turns away from Ginny because he knows the next thing he has to do is break up with her and that's too much to deal with. No, I thought he just didn't want her to see him cry. Mm. I like that the centaurs shoot bows. It feels a bit like um, the military... (laughs) You know when they do the... What's the... The something gun salute, like the ten gun salute, yeah, the something gun is. salute, like, yeah, no, yeah, I know it felt mean. a bit like that, but I like it in the fact that the centaurs, so far the books have been, let's just call it for ease, morally grey characters who haven't liked wizards, but they do respect Dumbledore and show up for this mark of respect. I don't know, yeah, I kind of like that. Harry realizes that he's alone and there is really no one left to stand between mm-hmm. him and Voldemort. Which is very important plot point to then come into book seven. Mm. Like he he sees it as everyone standing between him and now there's no one left to stand between him. And I do like that this isn't addressed in this book, that therefore it has to be addressed in book seven. But I don't actually think it's addressed heavily enough in book seven that no, they're not standing in between you. They have as much at stake as you. You are not the most important person in this war, even though you might think you are. Yeah. If you die, Mrs. Weasley is still going to go out and try to murder Voldemort with her bare hands. Yeah. You are not the be all and end all of this war. But I like in this moment that he doesn't have that introspection because it, although I don't think it's done enough, it is done in book seven. 
But yeah, he sees it as like, there is no one left to stand between me and Voldemort. I am not a child anymore. And then he breaks up with Ginny. I... Why did he think a funeral was the best time to do this? <laughs> just like, you know, if you're going to be sad, just slam the sadness together. Just compile it. Compile it. Like, if Look, you're going to be sad anyway. She can't complain because things could be worse. She could be Dumbledore. So, you know. And that's what he says. Imagine if I have to go to your funeral. And Not imagine if you die. Imagine if I, me, Harry Potter, have to go to your funeral. And Ginny's like, I don't care if Voldemort comes after me because of you and it's like you should no man is worth this and definitely not Harry Potter you've been going out three weeks like maybe don't be willing to die just to be able to go out with this boy he's not worth it there will be other boys there won't be they get married spoiler warning because there is then this very sweet moment which yes is tacky as fuck but in the context of the fact they end up together is very sweet. Ginny says, I never gave out hope on you. It was Hermione who told me to go out with other people in the hope that maybe if I started acting more normal around you, you'd notice me. So essentially everything I did was because I still liked you. And yes, it's tacky as fuck because they're children, but it does make my heart melt just a little bit. Just a li- Especially because Hermione is so involved in this. But She's also, like a fucking puppeteer. Like, <laughs> it's kind of obvious advice. Like, <laughs> have you tried talking in front of him? <gasps> have you tried going out with other people to make him jealous? Yeah. Says Hermione Granger Hermione going out with Victor Crumb to make Ron Weasley jealous. <laughs> Hermione would love Taylor Swift. She really would. No, she wouldn't. She'd be like, mm. would she be not like other girls? She would, yeah. I know. She'd probably come around on like folklore and then be mm. like, actually, Taylor Swift's been amazing all along. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I do kind of love this moment that Hermione was masterminding it all along. Hermione has shipped Harry and Ginny like from when Ginny was 11. <laughs> puppets, the puppets, the puppets. But yeah, they break up. At a funeral. At a funeral. And it is sad. Harry, my man. <laughs> it is sad. Ron is holding Hermione while Hermione sobs and Ron is crying. That's it. That's my point. It's sad. I love them. <sighs> Ron's crying. It's the first time Ron's ever cried. I mean, canonically. Yes. He should cry more. He should cry more. He cries in book seven canonically as well, but no, wait. I is there another time he cries? No, I'm pretty sure this is the first time he cries canonically. Scrimgeour, our favourite character, catches yep. up with Harry. Scrim still don't know Tries how to, to talk to him. Name. As mm-hmm. my note says, Harry is like, what do you want, bruv? Over and over again. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? He offers... I... Harry consistently has absolutely no personality (laughs) he is not an interesting man but i really respect the only time he has personality is when he's a sassy little fuck so sassy and he just really gets a backbone when it comes to people like scrimger and becomes a sassy little fuck and i respect that i love it he just becomes so the sass pours out of him scrimger offers harry protection for being the potter boy the poster boy I, I actually wrote poster boy but i just read that as potter boy the poster boy for the ministry and i adore harry's harry in this moment because he says all he says is have you released stan shunpike and this is what i was saying in the last episode about how i adore that harry's politics are distilled down to an individual level you can criticize that in the way that harry never 
He's not a big picture thinker. He's not a big picture thinker. And fantasy series constantly explore how much is worth it for the greater good. And there is no correct answer to that. Harry is not a greater good person. Harry is an individual level person and the individual represents the bigger picture. So to him, not releasing one individual he knows the name of, Stan Shunpike, epitomises that the ministry is corrupt from within. And I really like how that's portrayed. Whether it's right or wrong, and I don't believe there is a right or wrong, but whether it's the proper way to view it or not, I I love Harry's politics in this moment of boiling it down to Stan Shunpike. Like, I don't know. I just, it's just Harry, you know? I just like that. He's just Ken. He's just Ken. Uh, Scrimgeour walks off in a huff. Yep. Ron, Hermione catch up and they go to the same beech tree that's described as but where they sat in happier times also i was making my notes next to you this morning and i laughed out loud and you were like why did you just laugh out loud it was the bit when harry just kind of tunes into hermione and ron's conversation and ron's going look just let me go back and hit Percy. It'll make, and it's when Ron goes, it'll make me feel better. It's like brilliant. <laughs> I just love Harry just tuning into this. Yeah, it's so good. Like, let me go back and hit him. No, it'll make me feel better. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. But yeah, this same beech tree that Harry describes as happier times is where he saw the memory of mm. Snape. So it's like, it's a very poignant beech tree. And then we get my, uh, I've said this a lot. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, put my hat on the wall no that's not right i don't know this is my favorite moment of harry potter oh god you always say this no i've said this is one of i'm saying this okay i have another in book seven but it's this i feel like this is quite a boring moment i just love the way it's written so harry tells them he's not coming back to school next year and it's kind of the first they've heard of it. Hermione has guessed it, Ron hasn't, but it's the first they've actually heard of it. And they decide immediately. They need no time to decide. And I just love the way each of their decisions are written. Um, I'm actually get the book up. Just a bit of a codependent thruple, aren't they? Oh yeah, they? No, they, they cannot separate. That's, that's disgusting. Mm, imagine, imagine that. We've set up a thruple splitwise. Against Hannah's will. Against my will. So immediately within like a minute of Harry saying he's leaving, Ron, who has never, who didn't have a clue about this before, says, we'll be there, Harry, at your aunt and uncle's house, and then we'll go with you wherever you're going. And I love the simplicity of this. He just says, we'll be there. It's blunt and it's to the point. And Hermione then comes in with this very fluffy, poetic line of, you said to us once before that there was time to turn back if we wanted to. We've had time, haven't we? And this is in relation to book one, where Harry stood under the invisibility cloak and said, you can turn back. Mm. Oh, I, I love a throwback line. And this is, this is why it's one of my favorite moments. I just love that callback. But I also love how Ron and Hermione's personalities are distilled in the way they tell him they're staying. Um, in Ron's like blunt simplicity and Hermione's poeticness. Oh, yeah. And also why I love this is purely because of how much the films fucking butchered this with Ron just sitting in the background like a fucking lemon while Hermione does all the talking like we'll be there we'll do this and Ron's just sitting in the back how dare you Ron speaks first Ron says we'll be there yeah it's Ron's line the film's first. just endlessly character assassinate Ron yeah and like 
we can shit on Ron in this podcast and we will because he does terrible things in the book but you know he'll speak first in saying we're coming yeah. with you Harry because he's loyal babe I'm loyal <laughs> um, and then we get also classic Ron he's like we're with you yeah we're coming with you Godric's hollow all of it but um, you, you gotta come to the wedding obviously you, you gotta come like you, you can't skip out on that mum mm. will kill you this is where the chapter really like it's just a brilliant end of the book of um, he felt his heart lift at the thought that there was still one last golden day of peace left to enjoy with Aww. Rod and Hermione it's poetic and lovely and I think the problem with the end of book seven is it's so tinged by sadness because you've had so many fucking character deaths and yeah. yes we've got the death of Dumbledore in this chapter but like book seven is like I'm gonna beat you down with all these character deaths so this feels a yeah. bit more like oh one more day of golden sunshine yeah we did another book lads we've yeah, only got one left we've only got one left look at that yay thank fuck <laughs> yeah this book what this book stands out to me oh yeah we have to do the as... end of the book chat i was like yeah cool not being book five this book stands out to me as being a lot better than I remembered. I thought you were going to say a lot better than book five. I was going to be like, yes. <laughs> no, a lot better than I remembered, yeah. even though I even though I didn't, I knew it was better than book five. Yeah. But honestly, reading it back, I'm, I, I really liked it. Yeah. I think that there's like a lot of things that this podcast does in terms of our rereads and that noticing things and the more details and you know yada 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 but both the good and bad but something in particular is showing me my opinion on the books based on like the vibe of the season and I think that going into six after I think that season five of the podcast felt like a bit of a slog at times because the book is a slog and you you began to hate me Obviously. We've actually fallen out outside the podcast. We can't we don't, stand each we other. We don't speak. We actually had a fist fight. Yeah. That's actually why she's got a burn on her leg. I, I burnt her. With a red hot poker. Yeah. But <laughs> no. no. That's not but like, good. you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I still really enjoyed doing book season five, but. It was a. It was just like, oh, another chapter. Every chapter in book six felt earned. It yeah. felt like it, it existed for to a be reason. a chapter, it existed for a reason. Yeah. Whereas I feel like we got to a lot of the end of episodes in book five and went, what the fuck was the point in that then, lads? Yeah, and like quite a few of the episodes just felt a bit like, eh, that wasn't great. But like, book... Weird funny anyway. Obviously. But yeah, book six felt like a lot of the episodes have been really good episodes, personally speaking. But yeah, so I think that is like a big indication of how I feel and... Yeah, I think mostly right now what I'm feeling is really excited for book seven because maybe controversially, I fucking love book seven. I adore book seven. I, I'm i really excited for us to discuss it as well because I feel like it's a big Harry Potter online thing and especially a big Harry Potter podcast thing to hate on book seven. Yes. So I'm really excited for us to, to maybe we'll come away from it and go, do you know what, deep in analysis, yeah, it is bad. Maybe, Maybe we will, but I, I'm really excited to do that. But something I really liked about book six, which I didn't expect to like, was I think books one to five really stand as in individual books. They have an individual story. And I think a criticism you could level on book six is it's all set up for book seven. 
And that made me really like it mm. because I think it made it feel like a more adult fantasy series where it doesn't have to have a, a perfect conclusion at the end. It is. Nor does it have to have a big bad. Yeah, exactly. It just is more of the story and that made it feel more grown up because i think when you read adult fantasy yes each book exists individually but not so much in the way as harry potter where it has an individual villain and entire plot line absolutely that's a really good point and it and it it felt more grown up i liked the elements of romance that didn't involve harry's monster (laughs) i like the other parts of the romance yeah i i liked all the schools i don't know yeah like i i, I adored it. four four is one of my high points and and five was i was expecting it to be long and it's at times a slog and it was but i loved six i really yeah. did i think that like six still probably scores relatively do- low down for me but because there's three and four <laughs> <laughs> you know because three and four exist in the world yeah no you're absolutely right and then this is the thing there's three and four which just oh chef's kiss Mm -hmm. and then there's one which is like oh it's the first one and it's like the most comforting one and then there's two which you know controversial but for me i really like it because of how much it sets up so early Mm. when you view it as the sake for being foreshadowing brilliant so i just yeah, uh, I think that six for me scores relatively low down, but only because the others are so good. I think six scores a lot higher for me than what you're saying, but I am excited for us to do a final ranking at the end of book seven. Oh, God. I know. It's like ranking your Taylor Swift albums. It's hard work. I mean, five last. I mean, it's yeah. very. That's where rankings become difficult, where you separate the actual like enjoyment. artistry and enjoyment yeah. from the nostalgia. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I... I really like this book. Cool. Good review. Thanks for listening. Harry Potter podcast says. Something like 34 episodes of season six. We really like this book. What is that? A year and a half? A year and a half you've listened to this season. That we liked the book. Don't worry. Next season's going to be a lot shorter. (laughs) Don't look at me. It's not like a threat. Like it's or else or I'm going to kill you specifically. Yes. Yeah. So we may as well... (laughs) preface it a bit now we'll be making season seven slightly shorter by slightly it's difficult to do that with how chunky harry potter is but we will go back chunky chunky we're going to go back to combining some chapters yes to keep it at a relatively tight time period basically we don't want it to be two years like season five was Um, i think we want to keep it to a year we want to keep it to a year which is just a decision we're making because of everything going on with jk rowling we're absolutely determined to do season seven and enjoy it and love it but for us to do that mentally, we have to have a limit of a year on. Yep. So there will be some chapters that are double chapters again. And if that means a longer episode, then good for you. You get to listen to a longer episode. Um, but that's that's where we're going. And I think that honestly, having read book six, there were some chapters that could have been combined in this. So yeah. I'm kind of excited to go through it and see which chapters we can combine Absolutely. and which ones are beefy enough that they have Bye-bye. to be their own entity. Mm-hmm. But before Ooh. that, you get the film, the rom-com that is film six. <sighs> we don't have a question because did I prepare that? No, I did not. Terrible No, person. I did not, lads. Done. Dun, 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 dun.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Yolanda, Sir Bandersnatch, Samuel, Patrick, Michael, Kylie, Cara and Molly, Jasmine and Florian. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.